one, I want to highlight the the reflection that you had there because that's exactly it, right? That's exactly what self love is 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 making decisions that are bettering you as a person, that is bettering your soul, um, and is allowing you to live more honestly in your truth because you know that you're internally suffering because of a job or because of a relationship or because of you know circumstances, things like that. what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the modern mask unity podcast i'm your co-host ck aka coach kyle what's going on my people it's your boy anwar ahmed aka a squared coming to you he is from fresh off a flight and today we got a cool conversation uh we've kind of danced around this topic a little bit here and there and we've shared it in pockets shared our experiences with it and our journeys with it in pockets but we haven't really given it what we believe today to be the intentional space it deserves, the the opening, the gateway into um, just getting into it. And it's a difficult one, I think, at least it has been for me because I, I didn't really understand it, I guess. It was, it was confusing. And I thought, well, I'm just supposed to be loving other people. So what is self-love? What is the idea of loving myself? That doesn't translate to me in a comprehensible, logical way. So I never really focused on it. And in turn, my mental health took a hit. So we're going to discuss that today. So if you've ever had struggles giving yourself love or have wondered what this concept even means to you as a man, this is the conversation for you. So join us. But before we do that, you know what time it is. You know what time it is? It's Mooshek. Mooshek. What's going on? CC to the K to the K. How you doing today, man? How you feeling? Mood check, folks. Mood check. It's time to check in with your mood. My mood right now is, you know, I don't know if I have like a mood. Maybe it's, I know that sounds weird. I don't have a mood because um, it's been a while since I've microdosed mushrooms. And so this morning I did, I was like, okay, I got a big day ahead of me. I got call after call after podcast. I got after family meeting after date night after just a whole whole day ahead of you so i'm like you know what like it's been a while uh so let's give it a go and because it's been a while it it tends to just kind of feel just more intimate and a little bit more in depth so i guess i'm in a state of feelings and and just like feelers like sensations but not really a mood which I know might sound weird. I just feel my body. I feel like I feel the things I'm looking at and I feel the conversation and I feel even the vibration of my voice, but I'm not in a specific mood, I guess, if you will. Like I'm thinking a lot of thoughts, but I'm not attaching to angry or sad or upset or frustrated or um, I'm just doing. And I think that that generally goes back to flow state. So I'm probably that maybe that's my mood. I'm just in a flow state. So uh, to translate is I feel really good. (laughs) <laughs> there you go i think that you kind of you kind of kind of came full circle there. i think i was going to just pose a question your way be like well how does that make you feel right? right like how does how does the sensations make you feel and i think that that might bring you closer to your mood i like that yeah 100 you would think that i would ask that question when i check in with my mood uh the sensations are making me feel calm very calm Slightly like a little bit of agitation in my body, but like an okay agitation, like when I feel safe in. 
Uh, I can just feel like my tricep, like I can feel my right tricep. I have no idea why I can just feel it. And then if I focus, I can feel my left. Like it's like a very intentional feeling, which is confusing in a way that you have that ability. Uh, and then I also feel connected. That would be how I would feel, I think, connected to things. Like it, it, for those that can't see the video, I don't know if you'll be able to see the video. I can stare at a cloud and I feel like I'm in the cloud. So I feel very connected to these things and uh, it's lovely. It's lovely. It makes the, the conversation flow, makes my mind flow, makes my thoughts flow without the, I guess, strenuous pressure that comes with the experience of life. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, CK is high. <laughs> <laughs> I'm full circle. Oh, this man is uh, just loving, just loving myself here today. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, that's my mood. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. So I think that I've had a lot of things to do today, uh, including getting from point A to point B via flight. So I literally have just landed and you know basically rushed home and um, literally just turned on the camera and started recording. So I feel like this is what Gary V feels like on a regular basis. Kudos to you, man. This is a lot. This is tough. Um, but yeah, I feel a lot of breath, a lot of breath, a lot of breath. Um, but it was good. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to be in a position where I can even, you know, fly and see family and come home and, 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 and do things like this. So, you know, not to, not to complain about the, the to-do list at all, but um, I do feel excited about this conversation. I feel like we haven't had a, a conversation like this in a long time. Um, so I definitely feel excited about the conversation. Um, outside of that, I, I got a chance to go back to Winnipeg for a short stint just to go for a wedding and see my family and see my friends. And so I feel connected to a part of myself. Um, I think that when you, when you leave home and this is a struggle that I think most people have to find, and it's the battle between, you know, finding your own journey and finding your own path and, you know, being st stuck in the place that, you know, you grew up in and all those kind of things is, um, you lose yourself a little bit sometimes in the journey and the process is, you know, and it's not losing, it's losing the old version of yourself and identifying new versions of yourself. Right. But, um, there is parts of the old part of you that you love. And, you know, anytime you go back to friends and family, you know, you get to reconnect with that person. You get to remind yourself, you know, who you were, um, and, and, and what you, what you stood for and what you stand for. And, um, and it, sometimes you go back and you don't even recognize the person that they're describing. And that's beautiful in its own way too, right? You, it allows you to see the growth in you and it allows you to see like how much you've grown. Um, you might be, you know, entertaining a conversation that they thought were funny and you're like, Oh, I don't even find that funny anymore, which is just like a personal growth. You know what I mean? So either way you slice it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool feeling to go back into a place that, you know, um, you once left or you once lived in. Um, and you know, it's, a uh, making memories with those individuals specifically means a lot to me because it's, 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 it's a very rare occurrence these days. Um, and so, you know, being able to create new memories that we can continue to add to the collection of memories that we already have is, is important to me at least, because mm. I don't want to be thinking about glory days and thinking about what was when, you know, we can, we can be actively, you know, creating what is, um, mm -hmm. so that's always a nice touching point too. So I feel very connected with my people. I feel very connected with, you know, the people that, um, you know, I do everything that I do for. So, um, that was a good, nice little boost of energy. Um, and then coming back in Toronto is always nice, you know, walking in the streets, very, very, good looking, high energy people. Um, awesome city. So I just, just feeling the energy of walking home even was like, okay, I'm ready mm. for this podcast. Let's do this. Mm, love that. Yeah. That's something that I miss about Toronto is that energy. It's just different. It's different. It's go, it's move. It's uh, energetic. It's lively. Um, so that whole shift is 
even coming off of a, um, a long flight, uh, the hecticness of airports and navigating things that can be very stressful. So uh, coming down to a city like that kind of just dissipates that stress and just says, hey, like you're here. Like it's just a weird, like you're here kind of feeling. Uh, I don't know if that's how, how you would describe it, but that's how I would. So um, I love that. And I appreciate the, the gratitude from that experience. I think that a lot of times those who is it? I think it's Ram Dass said, uh, if you feel like you're an awakened human being, uh, spend a week with your family. And, and just like the way in which it can be difficult to spend time with family. And it can be for, at least from my experience, um, just a lot of uh, navigating and learning and understanding of like new ways you think and the ways they think and testing in the sense of how awakened or uh, beyond that you think you are. And uh, to, to be in a position of gratitude for it all is uh, it, it, I think it's just a really good reframe for all of that in the sense of recognizing the gratitude, not only for what you had back then and those experiences, but like how much you have grown and not letting it kind of go the other way of like, I'm beyond any of this. Uh, it's a, a good reframe and I appreciate it. So let's get into the podcast today. So we talked at the beginning about self-love. Self-love is a topic of discussion today, and it's directly correlated to our mental health. And we want to get into how that has worked for us, how that has transpired from understanding like we have a focus on mental health and we want to be healthy in that way. And at the same time, self-love is directly correlated to that. So the way we're going to kind of give it to you guys is a bit of an awareness of what is this journey of self-love? What is self-love? How have we experienced or have, our, have had our own challenges with self-love? Um, some of the problems that might come from this concept of self-love, like a challenge with mental health and like things like maybe codependency or even enmeshment to relationships, and then our solutions, how we've navigated this journey, how we've come to an understanding of how to operate loving ourselves and not self-sacrificing and self-abandoning and giving ourselves away and just trying to find the right healthy balance for each of us because we have different stories. So I'll phrase it and I'll leave the floor to you first in the sense of, was there a point in your life where you realized self-love was even a focus, even a thing? And if there was, when was that? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Um, because it, it makes me have to reflect on, you know, when I actually started engaging in self-love and, um, sadly enough, it was only like two years ago, maybe a year ago of recognizing it. And maybe like seven months of giving it to myself and getting a little taste of like who I can become if I prioritized that, that individual. Um, so for me, like, yeah, I've struggled with self-love for the majority of my life, um, I became aware of it, you know, I would say probably really, really recently, um, the more I kind of, you know, started living in Toronto and, you know, was going about because everything about my story up until this point was all about just kind of plowing through what was in front of me. You know, it was very mm -hmm. much like not putting myself forward. Um, it was very much like get the task done you know, mm -hmm. get the, get the job done. Um, mm -hmm. you know, get the job done. There's no room for like a feeling or like a focus. It's just get the job done. And that's the end of it. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, you, you were, where I also was coming from, like, you know, I was also very hard on myself too. Right. Naturally, you know, the get the job done thing is like, Oh, it's not done yet. Right. So then you have the, you have the self-talk of that going on in the back of your mind as well. So it's, it's this combination of, you know, getting the task done and accomplishing things and plowing through life. Um, and typically it's easier to do that when you numb yourself out, 
you know, when you stop to try to feel things, you know, because if you're trying to push forward, you're trying to push through something, you know, same thing we would do in a gym when we're trying to push through the pain, the best thing to do is to not think that there's pain there, not, you know, push through, push through. And I think I, I was, I, I was, um, I was a product of that, like, you know, thought process, you know, um, I think for me, I often not only did I push through a lot of the feelings and numb myself out, but I also did seek like love and admiration from others. So when I did seek love, it was always from via doing something successfully and getting, you know, getting feedback, getting, getting love for it, getting admired for it or impressing somebody or whatever the case may be, which as you can find, as you as you can see, is probably a bad feedback loop, right? Mm-hmm. It's um, you put yourself through hell, you numb yourself out. And when you do seek out love, it's in the, it's in the form of, you know, you doing something, you completing a task, you providing something. Um, and then that's the space that, you know, you continue to, cause all that feeds is I got to complete the next task to get that love again and that admiration again. And then mm-hmm. it's this, it's this cycle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the the wall that I had to hit in order to understand self-love was when the mountain got bigger than anything I'd ever climbed because mm. completing a task in the new space was harder. And so now you go longer stints without love. Now you go longer stints without admiration, right? And now when you're in that space where, you know, you're trying to overcome a bigger hill, you're trying to overcome a bigger mountain where before all these little short wins, all this to-do list, these tasky things that you were doing to get these little short bursts of love or dopamine or whatever you were looking for, when the task gets harder, the dopamine rush come far, you know, less, it's harder to get. Mm-hmm. And if it's harder to get, you're sitting in idle for a lot longer, which means like, Ooh, I need a new energy source. Like I can't get these tasks done at the clip I used to get it done at. So mm-hmm. And I'm taking on bigger challenges in life and I have new standards and I set new boundaries. So I had to, I had to re-strategize around that. And that's when I, you know, kind of stumbled upon self-love and being like, Oh, it does make a lot of sense to be the person that I want other people to be for me. Mm. (laughs) Maybe I should explore that. Mm. And what does that look like? It's so interesting hearing you, you describe your experience and I, and I relate so deeply to it in the realm of, um, cause I think that what we're, we'll attest to in here is like self-love is directly correlated with self-care, right? So they kind of, they feel like they go hand in hand. Self-care is a form of self-love, if you will, uh, caring for self. And as you described your experience, you said something, you said, I stumbled upon self-love, <laughs> And just like the, the wildness of that experience of I've just, this is something I've stumbled upon is both hilarious and very eye-opening in how far of a, of a concept this is in the distance for us as men and in our experience. Like we, I would argue for the most part, we're actively trying to improve our awareness, our understanding, our concept of life, our uh, definitions of words, our ability to just kind of be the best versions of ourselves constantly. And it never ends. And in that process, we have been grateful enough to stumble upon the concept of self-love. But if there, if we weren't doing that, if we weren't actively doing that kind of work, either inner or outer work, we wouldn't have found that. We would have never known what self-love is. We would have no idea 
that it was something we could stumble upon or that it does exist. We would just think, well, maybe I should find a balance between work and, and uh, home life. That would be a way in which we might operate possibly in the realm of like self-love or self-care. It's just find the right balance, right? Because there's still such a big focus on other things. So I just wanted to point out, I guess, that relatability and just get into the experience that we have as men and that self-love doesn't really exist for a lot of us. It's not common to love myself uh, is just a confusing concept because I think we've been so conditioned to just love other people and to give ourselves up for other people and to show our love and prove our love to other people and not really expect much in return, right? Not really ex expect like a whole big grandiose experience of love in return because that's not what we're here for. We're here to provide that in a way, you know what I mean? Um, but to, to work off that relatability, uh, I mean, I have a very similar experience and it's interesting when I asked you, when did you first discover self-love? And that question just kind of came to me, but I have no concept uh, yet of when it was, but I was talking to my partner today about it. And I was like, what do you think my journey of self-love has been? Because it, she's been witness to my journey for, I don't know, five, six years now. And what, what do you think it is? And she said, you know, one of the first acts I ever saw you do of self-love was when you quit your job. You would quit your restaurant job, your career. And I was like, I was confused. I looked at her, what are you, that wasn't an act of self-love. That was me being fed up with something and don't want to, well, not wanting to be a part of it anymore. So I made a decision and chose something different. And then I said that to myself in my head and I was like, holy shit, that sounds a lot like self-love. <laughs> Like, like it was a, it was a radical decision for me that I didn't want to make. So I was putting myself through so much like suffering and angst and overwhelm. And so I decided to leave that environment. And in, in essence, that is exactly what an act of self-love would be. It's to love myself so much that I'm no longer willing to put myself through something like that. So I don't have to experience it anymore. And I, all of a sudden my entire eyes opened to my whole life. And I'm like, whoa, maybe I've been loving myself in many other pockets. And I just have never considered it to be self-love. And the problem that I've never realized any of it was self-love, I kind of wish I did because I've been seeking love so aggressively from outside of myself. I've been seeking to be loved and to be needed and wanted and appreciated and valued. And at the same time, I thought it wasn't giving it to myself. I just didn't consider that to be an option. When it turns out I was, I was taking radical action. I was, I was making decisions that were self-loving and self-caring. Uh, they just don't translate that way. Mm -hmm. It was a wild realization for me and I'm grateful for the reflection. Um, but to keep the conversation away from maybe the solutions um, for now, uh, what has been, I guess, your hardest part about self-love like what has what has the lack of self-love for self lack of self-love for self hope that follows um how has that impacted you in the past because it's a focus now uh, but in the past it wasn't what was like a repercussion or consequence of realizing that you really didn't have much self-love then or in your past when i want to highlight the the reflection that you had there because that's exactly it right 
that's exactly what self-love is, 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 is making decisions that are bettering you as a person that is bettering your soul, um, and is allowing you to live more honestly in your truth because you know that you're internally suffering because of a job or because of a relationship or because of, um, you know, circumstances, things like that. Um, so yeah, that's a great example. That's a great way for people to think about it. Um, and there's probably going to be more examples that kind of come up throughout the conversation, but, um, self-love, I think the definitely some of the side effects for me were, you know, um, burnout and my capacity to, Mm -hmm. to, to love others. Right. You know, a big reframe for me was, um, understanding that life is this journey and not a destination. I think that was the first understanding that I need to somehow find love and happiness in the day to day. Right. And stop postponing it because you're, you have this perception that life is about destinations and that when you get to the goal, you will be happy or you will be, you will love yourself then and reward yourself then. Right. I very much had a, a a conditioning that, you know, I have a very reward system conditioning for myself. Like you will, you will be able to enjoy and all of that at the end. That's it. Right. Um, and it's a, a part of me still has, um, I think a part of me is still, I would equate some of my success to the, you know, the idea that, you know, rest at the end, not in the middle. I think that, you know, there is still a lot of truth in that. And that's why self self love has always been a hard thing to understand. And I've continuously can been, you know, unpeeling it day by day, because there's a lot of elements that go into this self love understanding. One, you got to understand that it's a journey, and it's not a destination. And that you need, you need more checkpoints in order to continue to stay motivated, right? The more checkpoints you put in between where you're going, ultimately, you're not going to end up, you know, going to make a new destination, the goalposts will move. But for the time being, where your destination is, you need checkpoints along the way to one, validate that what you're doing is, is, is good and that you're proud of yourself. And two, to not burn out by the time you get to the end, because when you get to the end, guess what? It's not the end. So getting to a destination and burning out actually does not serve you that well. Mm-hmm. You want to get there and be still good enough to continue to go to the next thing because it's not over till it's over. Right. And so I started to reframe of being like, I don't want to, I need to be able to push hard enough to get to that goal, but I still need to have energy to continue to go past that goal as well. And that means maintaining like every day. That means the maintenance of every single day. Another thing that, you know, so that's the biggest shift that happened, you know, is not seeing life as a destination, seeing it as a journey. Um, And when you see it as a journey, uh, every day matters. Every day counts, right? Um, And the fact that you can find love in everything uh, and you can find happiness in anything, right? It's all all perspective. It's all mindset. The other thing that had to change for me was I was greeting adversity with a lot of like anger, hate, frustration, determination. That's how I attacked adversity. That was like the way I got through it Mm. was, oh, okay. These are my circumstances. These are the cards I've been dealt. Cool. I'll prove to you. I'll Mm. prove to you. The I'll prove to you is good for a certain period of time. Then the I prove to you mentality for me started to wear off. I was actually getting like diminishing returns on that effort. Mm. Showing up with anger, showing up with frustration. It was like, I couldn't greet the new 
levels of adversity that I was facing with the same things that got me out of the old adversities that I was facing. And I did have a bit more of a brute force mentality with getting through, you know, the first, you know, early 20 years of my life, but it felt like between 20 and 30, I needed to tap into something different. I needed, I needed better energy to get through some of these tasks. And it wasn't until I made this huge shift of seeing, you know, adversity as challenges and an opportunity for personal growth. You know, it's an opportunity I get to learn something about myself, to discover a new strategy, discover a new way around this thing. Um, and when you see it as a challenge and an opportunity, you you leave the wiggle room of being like, it, 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 the adversity becomes more of a game. And in games, you know, when you beat a level, you celebrate. Yay, we got through that level, next game, next game. And it allowed me to show up with such a, um, a not pessimistic mindset um, because I didn't need this task to give me love. I already was love. I already felt it. I already am it. So now I'm just showing up to play the game. That is life, you know? Adversity is a part of life. The challenges are a part of life. But if you feel like you need to get over this challenge or through this ad piece of adversity in order to feel like you are loved or to feel like you have love in you, um, then your whole existence is predicated on the success of this outcome of how you mm -hmm. get through this adversity. And that is a relationship that I needed to change. I needed to start seeing these challenges as, as, as added benefits to my life. Right. And then that is where I got flipped into, you know, gratitude and, you know, being grateful for what I have, being grateful for, you know, and then that's kind of where I was like, okay, cool. Life is, life is a journey. I need more check. I need more checkpoints between where I am and where I'm going at these checkpoints. I need to reward myself and be proud of myself for what I've accomplished. And the game doesn't end. So viewing adversity with such a negatively fueled energy is going to burn you out because it doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. So if you can view the game of life with a bit more gamemanship or a bit more play and a bit more, um, oh, cool, this is a cool challenge. Maybe I'll learn something about myself type of mentality. Then I might actually get more out of this thing. Mm. And anything I get out of this thing uh, in terms of getting past it is collateral damage. It's, it's, it's bonus. It's extra. Cause I already am what I am and I'm already happy with where I am. So everything, uh, everything in front of this is, 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 is bonus, you know? Mm. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that are like, I I'm going through way worse things and blah, 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 blah. And I, I hear you and I acknowledge that. But what I'm saying is, is that even in those circumstances, you're probably going to get further with positivity than negativity and viewing the obstacle as, you know, something that is going to help you, something that's going to give you an opportunity to grow as a person and less of a, I will be this once I accomplish this, because you will set yourself up for maybe disappointment if it doesn't. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So much so much to pull out there uh, and so many incredible realizations it feels like you have had in your journey of like what this even means to you um, and how it's shown up and how it's applied to your life and how it still is in certain pockets. The piece that I want to take out of that is uh, uh, that the destination part is I think got, it's got to be the biggest like 
a stressor, I think, to just add into people's days. Like self-love is not a destination, if you will. Like it's a daily practice, right? Like, and in what ways do I, or can I um, love myself each day? Because then all of a sudden you feel like you're at a good spot. But then if you stop doing those practices, you know, two weeks pass and you're all of a sudden in a really deep struggle with your mental health because you stopped doing the daily practice of self-love and you stopped giving yourself that kind of love. And you've just essentially maybe given it to the rest of the world and just constantly given. And all of a sudden you no longer have a cup that has any water in it. It's empty. And it's, again, this is something that we've danced around in many other episodes is the idea of pouring from a full cup or an overflowing cup, because you've given yourself so much of what it is that you hope to give others. And love is the exact same concept. This, the, that's why we're doing this episode uh, is to get into the nitty gritty of that. And uh, for me, I have a similar journey in the sense of like it required for me to understand a daily practice. But before I even realized that, I, I, I assumed that, um, I guess, you know, I never was even really ever asked the question, do you love yourself? I was never asked the question for like my whole life, right? What an odd question. Why would I ask myself that question? And then, at some point I must've been asked, but I don't exactly remember that specific story. But what I do know is that uh, I think I was probably quick to say yes. Like, do you love yourself? Yeah, of course I do. What do you mean? Of course I love myself. And I didn't even question it, right? Because I also don't want to admit to you that I don't love myself. Like what an odd thing to do, right? I don't want to tell somebody that sounds like I'm a, something wrong with me if I don't love myself, you know? Uh, and there would be judgment there and scrutiny. and then. Uh, but inside, I knew that the yes was a, was a no, but I'm not going to give up that information. And for me, my journey, uh, as I kind of sit in this pocket now and I reflect, um, there, there was the biggest challenges I faced with self-love was the ways in which I demonized parts of myself I didn't realize I demonized. That was really where it showed up for me. That was where my struggle really started to show up is when I would be angry and then I would be angry at myself for being angry. Or if I got um, uh, an experience of depression and I didn't know what was going on, uh, I would be angry at myself or upset with myself or demonize myself and my experience for having this experience that's currently happening. Like I couldn't necessarily get rid of it in that moment, but that wasn't the point. It was that it was happening. And that was a problem that I made. I made it a problem. And I wasn't in a way, uh, the word that's going to come up a lot probably from this conversation, I wasn't accepting of some of these things. I wasn't accepting of, I was angry. I was angry that I was angry. Or I wasn't accepting that I was um, sad. I was probably uh, sad that I was sad or angry that I was sad. Like there was this constant, um, uh, banishment, I guess you could say, in, towards certain parts of me, the parts of me that I didn't ag agree with or think were okay, uh, or that were acceptable or what have you. And so I demonized a lot of parts of myself. I also, you know, had a lot of like inner desires and wants, um, and possibly even needs that I didn't necessarily know I had, or maybe I did know I had, but I didn't want to fully embrace. So then I wasn't sharing them with the people that were closest to me and I would demonize that as well. Right? Like if I had uh, in the most extreme form, because well, that's what my work does in relationships is um, sex. If I had some sort of desire about a sexual experience, well, no, like 
that that means there's something wrong with you if you think that that would be something you could do or be a part of or even have thoughts of so you better not think that anymore like there's something wrong with you and just like this constant cycle of there's something wrong with you was where my struggle came in because then what happens when i start to say there's something wrong with me is that i guilt and i shame myself and shame never leads anywhere good shame always leads to something bad so i was shaming these thoughts really these these experiences that i was having and uh, that led me to like i said bouts of depression and challenges with mental health and if i wasn't in there then i was relying on people outside of me uh to supply the love i didn't have for myself so i was very codependent i was very dependent on people to give me that and uh, i have an anxious attachment style so that shows up as well in the sense of like i'm anxiously attached to people so i hope they give me the love that i really want and crave because i don't have it for myself um, i don't feel safe in my own experience so that would be really my journey circling around this concept of self-love and again looking back i didn't even realize it was self-love i was just i was just doing i was just doing and i was responding and i was reacting and i was having thoughts here and having thoughts there and um demonizing this and hating this and shaming this and that's just what i was doing i didn't think anything of it i didn't think i didn't love myself and that was really where like i guess the turning point came was when uh the question showed up eventually in my life was like do you love yourself and then if you're willing at the time I wasn't, but at slowly over time, I finally got there. I'm like willing to embrace the question. What does this question mean? What does that mean? And hopefully we can provide more inf information on what that means in this, uh, in this episode. So something that Anwar and I both deeply value in our lives is personal development and not just talking the talk, but also walking the walk which is one of the fundamental reasons why we created this podcast is to support you in having the tough conversations and then feeling confident and safe to take new action with this new knowledge. So what we've decided to do to support you in this is we've partnered with Men's League, a men's mental health platform whose biggest focus is to make a systemic shift in how we view what being a man is and what masculinity entails. Their mission is to provide a diverse group of like-minded men with a support system surrounding their mental health, their physical health, their financial aptitude, and their personal relationships. Men's League is a space where you commit to improving yourself. You commit to improving your mental health and becoming a better man. So what does Men's League offer? Well, let's get into it. First and foremost, they're a private community for men which includes a chat forum and also monthly Zoom calls where you come together, discuss a topic, and you just partake in conversation with other men. I've taken part in so many of those. They're one of my favorite things. Mental health check-ins. So this is huge. This is unlimited 45-minute sessions with mental health professionals. Incredible. You always have that help at your access. Discounted one-on-one -on -one and group coaching services, a whole mental health resource library to help you manage your day-to-day -day and real-life issues, exclusive membership offers. This is cool. They have discounts for men's clothing and health products. And this is my personal favorite part because I've partaken in it a lot is professionally made online self-development courses that you can take at your own pace. They're always available to you and they'll help you with your relationships, your physical health, and your financial aptitude. So if you're looking to get involved, we in Men's League are excited to offer you a 50% off of your first year membership to do to join the league go ahead and click that link in the bio or go to mensleague.com 
And don't forget to enter our promo code MODERNMASK50 and get access to everything they have to offer. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. We'll see you back in the episode. Yeah, I think something that, you know, sparked a thought that sparked in me when you were kind of having that little, that little moment, I think um, something that came up for me was the fact that I don't, I don't want to disclude the idea that I haven't been loved until now. And that's important for a lot of reasons. Like loved by yourself or loved by others? Loved by others. Okay. Right. So I've actually felt love a lot right? Friends, family, like I have felt love in a lot of capacities. The problem with that is you're not in control, right? Like, I don't think that I would have gone to where I've gone to this far without any kind of love at all. I think that there's been love in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, the turning point is, is that to get to where you want to get to, and you could, you can continue to go down this path. And this kind of bleeds us into the problems, right? is that when you are codependent on results to get you love from other people externally, it's an exhausting pipeline because you're not in control. Somebody else controls love for you, mm-hmm. right? So really what, I'm, what we're trying to say in this conversation is that the real power for love, the real, the, you, want it, you want to have it in your hands, and then get extra love from other things, from the mm. things that you do, the things that you hear from. Because if that all goes away, we still have a source of love. Mm. And that's yourself, right? You are the most important person in your life, right? There's all these people that are in your life. You are the most important. And so it's important for us to act that way. It's important for us to carry that torch. Because when, when, all said, when everyone is gone, right? And a lot of people... We'll never even have to go through this experience, right? I've had to find self-love because I left home, because I left my parents, because I left my friend group. Maybe they couldn't give me the love in the way I used to receive it, where they would come over and, you know, help me with something or, you know, access service is a big love language for me. So, you know, moving things out of the way for me and helping me, whatever. When you leave your environment, you leave the opportunity to receive that love. Now what? Right. So a lot of people are not tasked or challenged with the idea of even entertaining self-love because they've never left their the environment that they're getting the love source from. That doesn't make it less important. Right. Because when you don't give yourself love, there's two things that happen. One, you don't have the control of having love for yourself. Now you're codependent on something else to give you the love that you need for life. And two, you aren't fully you're not in an intimate relationship with yourself. You don't know yourself that well. Because when you're giving yourself self-love, you're discovering things. I like Mm -hmm. this. I don't like that. I enjoy this. And then guess what? This is the beauty part about it. You go on this journey of self-love. You go on this journey of being independent with the way you provide yourself love and self-care, right? You take care of yourself. You take care of your mind. You take care of your body. And you figure out how you operate. And you find a system that works for you. And then now you meet somebody. You know what's easy to hand over? I like these things. Mm-hmm. These things make me feel really good. I am able, my capacity is absolutely endless when these things are in place. Because when I am love and I feel love and I, I, I can give it to myself, I got so much more capacity to give to others, right? Mm-hmm. But when you 
don't have that because you've put all your eggs in the basket of other people to manage your love, right? Then one of two outcomes happen. You either discover self-love or you're in the rat race of chasing love from other people. And love from other people isn't guaranteed. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be trying to impress somebody for their love because a lot of things can happen. Let's, let's, let's roll out the probabilities. You completely conform to their way of lifestyle and don't have any, any personal brand at all because I want love over you know standing up for myself. You don't set boundaries because I'm scared. If I set a boundary, I'll lose the love. And if I lose the love, what happens now, right? You just, it's, 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 you overcompromise. You, you do all these things because you are seeking love, but what you have to do to get it is completely change who you are. And love is that powerful that we will do that. Mm -hmm. We will conform everything. We will give it all up to just feel like you are a part of something, that you are committed to something. I did that my whole life. Growing up, I was a massive extrovert and a chameleon. I didn't know who I was. Just trying to fit in where I get in. Right. I completely all changed in the myself. Name of love. All in the name of love. All to be a friend. All to be accepted. Right? Huge people pleaser. Right? But what do we know about people pleasers? They don't know the word no. They don't know the word I'm full. My cup is full right now. I can't. Right? And so when you don't know the word no, you don't know the word I can't. I wish I could help you with that. I'm, you know, I'm full right now. When you don't know those words, you're literally staring burnout in the face because you're giving yourself up at a, at a rate that's alarming, right? And when you give yourself up at that rate that's alarming, worse things can happen. Mm-hmm. Physical health, mental health, right? So it's, it's the idea of being able to understand that no is an option, setting boundaries is an option, and being authentically myself is an option. And... I can find a partner that will accept me for all of those things because I can wait it out. I got delayed gratification because I'm not desperate for love. I have love. I give love to myself. I am someone who is able to provide that love and that feeling for myself because I am the most important person in my life. And anyone who wants to add on to that ecosystem, fantastic. Great bonus. Because mm. if that thing were to flee, we're built on a foundation that already has that. I'm not, you're not, love isn't a missing piece for me. I have it for myself. And when you, for me, the chapter that I'm in in my life right now is, is the idea that if, because when I give myself away, I, in life, we've got 24 hours. It's really easy to think about 24 hours. Say you allocate uh, meditation, working out, eating good, and you're living your life. And then that one person asks you to do something. Oh, cool. I got capacity for that. I'm good meditation, gym, eating good. Oh, second person asks, I don't know the word no. So yes, absolutely. Come on board. Maybe I can't meditate now. I got just the gym, just food because I've taken on too much. I don't got time for that meditation. It's gone. You do that over and over again. Guess what happens? You just plug out, you plug out what you do for yourself, plug in what you do for others. And then you run that six months. What do you got left? You're not in your routines. You're not in your diets. You're not in nothing. You're just, you're just a giver. You're just a provider. So for me, it's how can I be Anwar, do the things that I need to do for myself and take on the capacity that I can in terms of doing things for others without removing something from myself. 
because if I, if I keep everything for myself, I will perform better for others. And that's just a, that's just a hurdle you got to climb. That's mm -hmm. just a realization I had to realize is that there's a lot more at stake when I give up my mental health. It's a lot more at stake when I give up my, my physical health and being disciplined and being able to find words like no, being able to, you know, find myself, being able to put my flag in the ground and say, no, this is who I am. And I know this because I've, I've, tr I've, I've tried things. I've, I went through trial and error to figure this out. I'm good here. This is what I do. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Hmm. I've, I've cleaned up the authenticity around the people that I'm around. The people that I do show up for, I show up bigger and better. And I still, I, I still have, my sanity and I still have, I still feel like I'm standing in my truth. And is that wavering sometimes? Absolutely. Sometimes I get absolutely blitz and I forget about that, but my, I'm able to see now when I'm rocking and rolling and when I'm down and out mm -hmm. and it's a fight to get back rocking and rolling because mm. I don't want to be down and out. And sometimes right. that means saying no to people that I love. Sometimes that means cutting off things that I don't want to cut off, but I got to put myself first. And that's just the sad truth of the matter. Mm. Oh, I mean, maybe not sad truth, uh, probably the, the great truth because it makes you, it doesn't make you feel sad, but something that I can hear um, in the, the general narrative. And I think this exploded in the last few years and this kind of slowly trying to find its way back to center. We always talk about this pendulum swinging thing, right? So we live in the life where like, we're constantly giving ourselves up to receive love. And then we swing the hell out of that pendulum and say, fuck everybody, right? Like I got me, I don't need no one, right? So there's this extremity on the other side. Um, I think you may have already mentioned it, but what do you think is like the center, right? Of that, of those two dynamics, like what, what does, um, a healthy, uh, considerate and maybe even in a way, um, healthy dynamic look like in regards to, um, putting yourself first, because obviously like for me, I'm, I'm a relationship coach, right? So for me, I'm always thinking about the consideration of a partner and that there is going to be another person now that I have to consider in the process of my decisions. And that's not to use the word compromise because that is a completely different world. We're talking about consideration. So for you, um, I just love to know your thoughts on what do you think is like the center there between going from super self-sacrificing to so self-honoring that no one else matters. I think, I think it's a bit of a personal question because I think it does depend on who you are, mm -hmm. right? Like for me, I had to learn that like my default setting is help every single person that I can. That is my mm -hmm. default. That's my default setting, mm -hmm. right? And I had to learn the hard way that even though that's what I want to do, it's not what I should do. Mm -hmm. And I need to get clearer on the things I want to help and the things that I, I can help and the things that I shouldn't, right? Because when people need things from you, when people want you to do things, or even when you get overzealous and you're just like taking on passions left, right, and center, it's, 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 it's your nat, my natural instinct to want to do those things. And so I had to, by learning self-love, that's why it was, it's been a hard thing for me to get good at. I'm still not good at it because my natural default setting is going, go, 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 do, 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 go, go, go. And for me, it's like, okay, I got to understand now an intention. What's my mm -hmm. intention? Why do I want to do those things? Um, if I'm willing to take that on, can I still maintain the things that I know to be true to make that makes Anwar great? If the answer is yes, I move forward. If the answer is no, I, I say no. And so I had to learn that. And, you know, my cousin that I lived with 
taught me that lesson is he actually saw a, a version of myself that was burnt out. I was probably 19, 20 at the time working, playing CS basketball, going to university, still like still the flat tire friend driving everybody around still, you know, being where I needed to be when I asked all those kind of things. And, um, I remember him, you know, kind of seeing me window and just being, you know, just a bit thrown or all over the place. And he, he literally said without any kind of long winded buildup or anything like that, he said, the word, the word no will do you a lot. You're a people pleaser. People pleasers will always say yes. Learn how to say no. And when you say no, there's a weird feeling that comes with it. You're not going to feel really good about yourself. But if, you're, if your why is strong enough, you'll be able to justify the no. Mm-hmm. So you need a stronger why. Because a no for a no makes you feel crappy. Just to say no to somebody. Right. right? But now, when I say no, I'm conscious of the idea that I'm saying no because I'm protecting my mental health. And that means something to me now. I'm saying no because I'm... I'm, I'm worried about my physical health and that means something to me now. I'm mm-hmm. saying no because the energetic doesn't align with me. And that means something to me now. It may have not meant something to me every before, but they mean things to me now. So the why has gone stronger, which has allowed me to lean into the no's, which has allowed me to, you know, filter the pot and, and, and find the yeses that I want that are energetically aligned with me that are going to, you know, feed my mind that are going to feed my body, all those kind of things. So I think for me, I think, if you're someone who's answering this question and listening to the audience, I think that you need to understand who you are and who you are. There's nothing wrong with that person. If your default setting is to not help somebody, fine. If your default setting is to help somebody, fine. All you know now is where your starting point is. So maybe your challenge, if you, you, know, you don't want to help anybody, is maybe I should learn yes and understand where my capacity is at, right? If you're the opposite, maybe I need to learn no and understand how to pull back. But I just think that who you are as a person is never a good or bad thing. It's just a, it's just your starting point. It's just your default setting. And when you know your default setting, you know how to combat that. You know how to, you know, mm-hmm. what you wanted, when you wouldn't take in, you know what I mean? And so for me, it's, I know that, you know, soon enough, hopefully God willing, I will be able to have a partner that I'm, you know, very interested in, you know, starting a bigger life with. I'll have kids. I doubt my capacity is going to be bigger, probably shorter. So it's, you know, deal with learning how to say no now or deal with learning how to say later. You know, it's, it's, it's for me, it's damned if you do damned if you don't, but it's a skill set I need to learn anyways, because your squad is getting smaller. Your, your everything is getting tinier. So it's like, even in business, throw a random stat out there. 80% of business comes from 20% of the clients. Hmm. So pay like, you know, that, 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 that's just like a, you know, random, you know, factual stat that, you know, a lot of businesses, 80% of their profits come from 20% of the audience, which just means that like loyalty and, you know, putting energy and time into a very niche area is a lot more fruitful than spreading yourself out extremely thin and going, you know, across multiple different, I'm not going to, if 20% of this audience is what gives me 8% of my revenue, I'm probably going to focus on that 20% and make sure that they're very happy. And anyone else who wants to join, join along the ride, cool. That's kind of where I'm at with life. I want to mm-hmm. give, I want to give the people that are around me most of me. And whatever I got room for capacity for leftovers, take it on. Mm-hmm. But in the past, everyone was I gave it all. I gave it all away. 
And uh, I think that that's right. where I'm on a slippery slope with my, um, my own, my own uh, growth as a person. Mm. That's great. And, and, and uh, I, for me, it was pure curiosity. I was like, I wonder what his perspective is towards this. Cause you and I have different journeys in the sense of um, how we've approached love and receiving love and reaching for love and craving love from others. Um, and so to get into the, like, obviously again, the relational dynamic, it's just so fascinating to hear. I think, like you said, that people's different viewpoints and perspectives of where they're at. And I really like that, that frame of mind of just knowing like whatever it is that you are at, um, is, is just your starting point. It's not your final destination. It's not the, the end result and that there is room for maneuvering left or right. And if, if you're someone who is, um, on the side of the spectrum of no one else matters, it's very like hyper independent experience. That's just your starting point. Um, and you can, you can align and start to work through what works for you. And if you're trying to get into a relationship and that's not working for you, cause you're still in this way of saying, you know, I love myself so much and it's almost kind of sort of conceited, um, but it's not seeming to help my relationship. Got it. Well, that means I can maneuver myself. It's just right now, my starting point is knowing and being aware of the fact that I am in this role of, you know, hyper-independence. And then for me, I'm on the other side. Uh, I am so codependent or have been in the past. I used to be very codependent that, um, I, I would just give up everything. Like my time wouldn't matter. My needs, wants, desires wouldn't matter. I would always just fall in line with um, the people around me. Unless if I had like a deep belief about it, which I think is another representation I can give about like what self-love is. It's like when you honor something you deeply believe in, um, for for me, it would be um, someone asking me to, uh, when I was younger for my entire life, it was like, do you want to smoke? Right. And it was an automatic. No, there was no question. Like, it wasn't like, Oh, let me think about it. It was just, no, no, thank you. No. And for me, that was like, Oh, Oh, looking back on it, that was self-love in a way. Like I was honoring something about myself. I knew I believed in deeply. Right. It's just, just a hard no. So I said, no, um, which I guess goes, there you go. Right back to your statement of like, no, how the power of no. Um, but then there would be other instances where I wouldn't do that. Um, for example, when I was growing up, drinking wasn't a big thing for me, but I knew that I would be asked to go. So I never knew how to approach that situation. So I said, yeah, maybe. And it would be this like weird interlude between yes and no. And that caused 99 to 100% more stress than the, than the other moments where I said, actually, no, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Cause I'll let, right. It's just like that interlude of like honor yourself or don't honor yourself and love yourself or don't love yourself. Um, and so then it transcends for me into like, I guess the relationship realm of what does the consideration look like in regards to honoring yourself and finding the balance and finding the workability with everyone. And I think that's everyone's unique journey, right? For me, I can, as you explained, like, you know, putting yourself first, I could feel my anxious attachment style and my codependency patterns of the past, like rising in me of like, whoa, 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 whoa. You better consider, you better compromise. You better say, you better, you better work hard to find the workability and make sure, you know, there's things you won't be able to do. I could feel like this old pattern in me rising. And then I was like, well, okay, okay. We're safe. We're safe. It's okay. We're safe. <sighs> breathe, breathe. And it was just a, a reflection of like where, um, my self-love journey has grown and how I don't act that way anymore, but I still feel the need to based on just what I'm used to, right? And just knowing that love is going to come from, um, 
what I not even come from. I believe that love would come from giving up my own wants, needs, and desires to appease the person I'm with, right? And giving up what I want to do and giving up myself and my routines because they want to do something different. And that birthed a Mr. Nice Guy. Right now, Mr. Nice Guy. And I think that that's a great segue um, to come out of um, the problems. But one of the biggest problems that we face with struggle with self-love is that we do end up dishonoring and self-sacrificing. And then now we have, um, for lack of better wording, an epidemic of nice guys. And this speaks to why so many people are drawn to the one who is not nice, because it seems like they're self-honoring. And that is an incredibly attractive trait. The person who is constantly giving themselves up isn't. It comes across needy and you know they don't really care about themselves and stuff like that. So um, an interesting interplay there with self-love and the nice guy complex, which I think, again, can go like a million different ways. Um, but yeah, the, the, that's just my, like I guess, reflection back to all of the things that you said. I have so many thoughts about this concept, but um, it's, good. it's uh, revolutionary in its own right. Mm. I think the um, the elephant in the room too that we haven't kind of addressed, it's interesting because we always talk about how men struggle to receive love, right? We mm-hmm. talk at length about being able to, you know, receive love from others, thing. all of these things. Uh, but what we should be starting to talk about is our inability to even receive love from ourselves. Yes, yes. Like we don't, like we don't know, like how much would this help, you know, the understanding of, you know, loving yourself and the commitment to that and the the effort and energy that you put into, you know, loving yourself, you know, would allow you to maybe wear a compliment better because you already feel that way about yourself. You've already been complimenting yourself. You've already been interested and invested in the person that you are. And so when you, when you hear a compliment of someone saying, I'm proud of you, you know, if, if you were proud of yourself first, you might be able to receive that better. Right. Um, and I think that, that I feel like ick. I'm like, thanks. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. And then I'm just like, all right, what are we doing? Let's get out of this. My body feels it. Like I feel, I feel uncomfortable literally physically. Especially when it's unwarranted. I find yeah. that <laughs> it feels unwarranted. It. Yeah. I feel like unsolicited comments, compliments for guys is like just the most cringing feeling on the inside. It's like, but I'll take a compliment if I've done something to deserve it. Right. If I, uh-huh. if I did an act of service or if I've, you know, if I've put my foot forward to get to this compliment, then, then it lands a little bit better. Right. Mm. Um, but unsolicited compliments, unsolicited, you know, acts of love just don't land for us, you know, and it's like, it's the walls that we've built up, you know? And I yeah. think that if the only way to tear to those walls, you got to work to deserve it. The only way to tear down those walls is if you tear them down first. Right. I think that those, those walls that are unable to receive those guards that you put up internally, um, that, you know, people are people who are in your family who are struggling to connect with you because they're trying to give you love and there's gates at the door, there's security guards, there's all these things. I think if you were to find the opportunity and the gratitude and the grace for yourself to, to start showing some love to yourself, to start actually taking some, okay, maybe I need a break here or, Maybe I'm going to do this because I think it's going to make me feel good. Um, and you start taking those opportunities. We start, you know, strategizing around these checkpoints in pursuit of the destination. Because one thing I don't want to, like, we are still trying to achieve things. So we're still going somewhere. Mm-hmm. We just need to add more checkpoints. And if those checkpoints are like 100% selfish kind of in nature in terms of giving yourself love, 
when other people start, you know, showing it to you, one, you'll see it clearer. You'll go, Oh, that's love. Appreciate that. And two, you'll wear it better because your guards are down, you know, and I don't actually need it. I have it, you know, mm. um, mm. and it, it also, you know, an added benefit is that it allows you to have the capacity to love others. When you're in a practice of loving yourself, it makes you a way better lover, you know, mm-hmm. because you know what making sure that, you know, you know how important it is to make sure you feel good. So when, you know, you're in the presence of people that you love, you want to make sure that they feel the exact same thing that you make yourself feel. And um, I think it makes you, it gives you closer to the idea of love. Um, and to all the single people out there, all the single guys out there, it's like, there's no better way to, you know, get ready for a relationship or prime yourself for an opportunity to, you know, fall in love than for obsessing over yourself, loving yourself. Cause that just bleeds into a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you just do it for two people. Mm-hmm. If you already been doing it for one full tank. Yeah. Yeah. Full tank, full tank. Yeah. And it just overflows. And as long as you can sustain that, right. And just do your best to sustain that fullness. Uh, then yeah, like you said, like you'll bring best Anwar to the table, right. Which is what relationships require in order to be great and incredible. Um, so I love that last little underplay. And one last thing I want to touch on is that the word selfish, like I still feel like it's selfish sometimes. I know, I know that. Um, and I don't even like the word. Cause even if you, I, I, I just think thought about it now, selfish, it's like an ish selfish. Like it's like, meh. All right. Selfish. It's really not even like the word doesn't really translate well. So for me, it's like more self-honoring, I guess is really what I believe it to be. But um, I think that right now we're at a point where we're so far gone from this modality of understanding like self-love that uh, it is going to require i think a radical shift in being selfish in the sense of just giving yourself that space to honor your need to honor what you want to do and to uh, give a, an example of my experience it's something as simple as my morning routine like i live with my partner and navigating mornings was difficult because we both knew there was things we wanted to do but we weren't sure of what the considerate like collaborative experience would be together and so for me there were pockets where i wouldn't honor what i knew i wanted to do which was um well i always cold shower so that's irrelevant but then i would journal and sometimes i wouldn't journal because i felt like um it would take away time from her or it would um seem like i was being dismissive or selfish maybe even i could feel like these feelings in me come up and so i wouldn't do it and it made me feel worse to not do it than it did in the moments where I chose to. So we had a collaborative conversation and we continued to work. I shared these feelings. I shared my thought process and like how we can, you know, work through this together. So I don't resent her right for, for this experience. And then that allowed us to both understand like, Oh, right. Cause so you honor you and I'll honor me. And then we'll come together when we're done doing that. Right. And just like the way in which that can work, as long as you're willing to make it, it into a space that does work for you um, is how that idea of like being selfish um, isn't, isn't a negative thing. It's giving yourself the opportunity to come more into a full cup with the partner that you're with, which is, I guess, a solution leading into the last part of this conversation of just like solutions regarding our self-love journey. It's been difficult for both of us. It's been a journey. Uh, It is a journey. We're not at the final destination. We're still working through it and I can feel myself getting better at it. I don't know about you, but I can feel myself just being more conscious, even just today with the reflection of 
recognizing like that moment I quit my job was a radical act of self-love gives me this opening to where all of the other small areas where I'm just acting could actually be self-love could actually be me trying to love myself more. So then I can give more to the world outside of me, like my morning routine. The best version of me is the, is the version that I want to give to people. And that requires those things. Um, so I'll start with this one, I guess, in the sense of like, what is my solutions regarding my self-love journey? And I've been grateful to have a partner who's mirrored back a lot of opportunity here. And I've been able to work with on this experience and the solutions regarding my self-love journey is, uh, very, very similar to some words you used earlier, which was, I had to really understand my intention towards things. And the, in order to find out my intention, I did need to have a deeper understanding of why I was doing what I was doing in the first place. It, it did feel like it was a prerequisite. So that way I could, uh, break that mold and choose it to create a different one. And, get out of the realm of revenge and just, you know, proving people wrong and not acting this way and not being this way was just, what do I, what do I want to do for me? Uh, so starting to ask the questions, starting to be more reflective and more in, intentional uh, and attentive to myself and what is my answer. And something I've done in my relationship that's helped is I used to always ask her, like, what do you want to eat? Right. The classic question in relationships, it causes a lot of conflict every time. What do you want to eat? And I, I remember coming across this practice that I've actively tried to do is I've stopped asking and I've started sharing and then asking. So I'll say, you know, tonight I would really love to have this. What would you like to have? And giving room to both of what we both want and then seeing what comes up and seeing if maybe, oh, oh, you said, ta oh, tacos. I know I didn't say tacos, but tacos sounds great. I didn't even think about that, right? But instead I have a vision of what I want because I don't share it it causes me to feel some type of way when she gives a different option that maybe I didn't want because I didn't share it. Right. So it gives me a chance to honor myself and love my option, love my option, love what I have to offer in the sense of creativity and love what I have to offer in the sense of decision and um, ways about going about things like loving that by leading with that rather than constantly waiting to see if it might be okay with somebody else's thought process or decision. And that has really been my solution is just sharing, sharing first in a respectful way. I'm not like we're having steak tonight. Like I'm not going to be right. It's still going to be considerate, but just being willing to honor what my thought process is and then coming from like a collaborative space rather than leading with collaboration and forgetting about what I may have to offer. Cause I might ask her and she'll say tacos and I'm like, actually, yeah, taco sounds great. But in my head, I'm like steak though. Flank steak would be great, right? Like not honoring that. And even sometimes too, it's not even just like, maybe I didn't want tacos. It's I didn't say it. So I feel like I didn't honor myself, right? It's sometimes it's just as simple as that. And all of a sudden I feel much better about the experience because at least I've shared it, right? So that I'm, I'm going to leave it at that solution. I have a lot, um, but that's, that's the big one that I've been able to work through uh, and navigate and has helped me the most um, is honoring that with my partner. And then also just recognizing like there are big moments in my life where I have self, I have loved myself in honoring a belief or honoring a decision or taking radical action. And that's, that's a way of, I've unknowingly loved myself in the process of the journey. So that would be my solutions so far. There's more to come. I know. Um, but what, what have you found so far? I mean, you said 
you really feel like it's only the last two years this has been an intentional focus, maybe in the year. Um, that's early in the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. So what has been something or some things that you have found in your journey for solutions or I guess daily practices even maybe? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, that was wildly insightful. So I think that, that there was a lot to take away from that. I think that we all kind of do this thing where maybe sometimes we feel that, you know, we were wrong done by or we weren't heard. But what we forget is that I also am not in your head. You didn't share. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up coming up to this idea and you looked, you sounded very on board, but you were having an internal conflict because you had another idea in your mind you never shared and we're rolling with mine. Um, but you were silent in this process, you know, and, and you take that with you. You take that feeling of, ah, I gave up my idea. I always give up my idea. I'm never heard. I'm never seen. And it can just get so far into the rabbit hole, right? Uh, and then you don't offer an opportunity for your partner, whoever you're working with, to uh, even show consideration for you because you never shared your side. How do I know? Mm. Don't say I'm not in, don't say I'm inconsiderate if I don't know what your, what your, what your options are, mm. you know, um, where I'm inconsiderate is if, you know, you go, Hey, I'm feeling steak. What are you thinking? And I go, yeah, I screw steak. You, uh, tacos. Yeah. <laughs> then, then right, exactly. Then we, then I, maybe, yeah, maybe that label is warranted. Maybe I'm inconsiderate. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I think that sometimes, you know, people, you know, I, I'm guilty as charged. I think I've been labeled and considered sometimes in the darkness of not knowing what the person wanted and just being someone who has ideas and thoughts and, you know, sharing, you know, being willing to be a sharer. Um, so that was wildly mm-hmm. insightful. So I really like that. Um, but in terms of kind of my solutions, this is not right. This is not, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. You know, mm-hmm. I think that the solutions for me, you know, we're really being able to look at the things that, you know, Maybe society perceives to be, you know, what self-care is or what self-love is. Um, and then just shining a mirror back to me and saying, am I giving myself that? You know, I think that often we come to conclusions after problems, unfortunately, you know, bad things happen. And then you go, how do I re-strategize around that? Uh, and so for me, it's always been kind of around the, the concept of mind, body and soul, you know, and actively managing and planning around my mental health, my physical health, you know, the things that I enjoy, the things that make me feel good. Um and to tie to tie in a little loop here of like you know what self love looks like, um, piggybacking off of you quitting your job, in the example of physical health, I've embarked on a new fitness journey, and this journey that I'm taking is not the one that aesthetically is going to get me to where I want to be, or is going to fill my ego, or is going to attract external love from people. It's actually the complete opposite. This is like rebuilding from ground zero. I'm not touching a weight for three months. I'm realigning my whole entire body. I'm learning basic functional movements, like how to how to run properly, how to walk properly, all of these things. And it's going to be so tedious and it's going to be so long, right? But that is the example of the self-love. I'm doing it because I think my body needs it. And I think my body needs this foundation to become the person that I want to be athletically, you know, playing sports physically, even maybe, you know, cosmetically. But if I don't do this version right now, because, you know, the version of this is not giving yourself self-love is understanding you're in pain, but I'm not going to address it because I need to be this size to attract a girl to get to find love. Mm-hmm. That would be the polar opposite of what we're talking about here. Self-love to me is being like, hey, I understand that I would love to look that look like that. 
I got a lot of pain internally in my physical body. Let me work on the pain internally and be, and be selfish about the love that I want to give myself in this space to maybe potentially get to the body that, that looks like that. And I know in the short term, I'm not going to look great. Even my trainer said like, listen, you're going to be doing some exercise in the gym. People are going to look at you. You're going to have to get used to that. And you're not lifting a weight for three months. But if you commit to it and you do it, in terms of all the whys that you've given me, in terms of all the passion and everything that you've talked about, in terms of how you've, how you've laid out your why to me, you will achieve your why. Yeah. But it's going to look like this. And self-love is saying yes to that, regardless of how maybe society perceives what you're doing. Right. Because it's a focus on caring about what I think more than I care about what other people think, which is fucking radical self-love right there. And that was the second point I had is stop caring about what other feel, what other people feel about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You got to stop caring about what other people feel about what you're doing for you. Especially when you're doing something for you. If you are someone who doesn't drink and, 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 that, and you're doing that for you, don't care about what people mm-hmm. think. Don't fold. Don't fold your cards to fit in. I know it's easy. I know it's, it's, it's hard to said it's easy. It's easier said than done, but it's, it's, it, these are the things that I'm talking about. If this is where you start to fall into the trap of giving yourself up, because when you're doing things for you that make you happy and you give them up because of pressure or societal norms or stigma, all that kind of stuff, that is where you really lose the idea of self-love and self-love is saying, no, for me, that makes sense. And for me, it makes me happy. And your opinion is is not what I'm basing my life on. I got the pen on writing this story. I have to live with it. It's an action-packed solution toolkit package for all y'all. That was fire. I love that. I love it. And I love that workout thing. Uh, to bring the conversation to a close, um, we're just going to finish with takeaways. So what we took away from the conversation today from each other in regards to, you know, the power, the the wisdom, the constant explanation of journey. There's so much to learn in just sharing journeys and sharing uh, experiences through things and just the adventure side of it. I think it is just we're storytellers. We love a good story as human beings. Um, so I'll let, I'll let you take it away. Cause I feel like you're on a good roll right now. Um, in regards to like a thought process, what, what is your biggest takeaway from this conversation today around self-love and mental health? Uh, two, th- the two things that stuck out to me today in this conversation is, you know, your reframe of the word selfish and self-honoring. I really like that. I think that, you know, if you were, if you were to start seeing those moments in your life that you feel like you want to take a selfish opportunity, if you just replace that word with, I'm going to take this self-honoring opportunity, you're probably more likely to engage in it, right? Because I am going to self-honor. I am not going to take away from someone else to give to myself. I'm just honoring who I am. And that takes a lot of work. You got to find out what that journey is. You got to find out what you're honoring. You got to find out a lot about yourself to, to get to a point where you're self-honoring. But I think I love that reframe. I think that, that could change a lot for you. If you, you know, anything that you're looking at, you're like, oh, uh, selfishly, I want to do this self-honoring, I want to eat steak, you know? That's what I feel like I want to do, but what do you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. It includes you in the process. Um, and I do love your your share at the end too with, um, you know, actually sharing and then leaving the door open. Uh, I think that the sharing 
invites the idea that you had an idea about how you wanted this to go. And if you have an idea about how you want this to go and it goes that way, then you're probably going to feel good about it. Right. Um, but if you never give people that opportunity or you're always in a very submissive or always in a very, um, you know, kind of just throw yourself away type of type of headspace where what do you want to eat? It's like, I don't really care. What do you want to eat? You're not even giving yourself the idea to be interested in something that you are interested in. Um, and that really stuck out to me and that resonated with me too. So I'd say those two points. Love it. Love it. It's funny. I didn't even realize that, 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 that whole reframe of selfish would even land. Like I just said it and moved on. So I love that you picked that up uh, and that resonated with you. That's dope. Um, and then for me, the, the takeaway, uh, the first one that came to me was the way that I interpreted interpreted it was having like um, a range having a range. And I don't remember exactly the word that you used, but um, just understanding oh, capacity, I think it was, to the range and the capacity for, I love those. I love that word capacity. Like how much capacity do you have? And just recognizing what that does look like. And over time, understanding that it will slowly expand. Your capacity to hold certain things will grow. And that it's not like one container size right? It's, it's the next container size and the next and the next. And all of a sudden you have this gallon of, of capacity uh, or a ton of capacity, literally in the measurement, a ton of capacity to hold all of these things in life and to hold more self-love and also hold other people's love and receive their love and also hold the ability to go out and, and empty your tank a little bit and, and over allow the overflow to spread into the people around you. Because well, you've overflowed so much on your own that there's like, now it's all over the floor. Like now it's everywhere, right? Like the capacity has grown to hold it. So I think that that was something that resonated huge. And there was something that you said at the end through your takeaways, uh, which was evading me now in this moment, because I got on this tangent of container. Ah, uh, it was the gym reference because I can't, I, I could hear my mind working against you in that sense of like, you're not going to lift a weight. Like you should probably push some weight at some point. Shouldn't you like, shouldn't you, you know, don't you want to like, you want to be a little like jacked a little bit. Don't you like, I could hear my own narratives being projected onto your story. And it was just a good reflection for me, a hard reflection, but good reflection of the ways in which I still rely on the way in which my workouts will make me look to receive validation from the world outside of me and to essentially almost reach for their love, which is in the form of validation and appreciation. And even maybe just a look like I can feel that still present in that story you shared. So it was just a good reflection for me. Uh, and it also just uh, implanted a seed in my mind of what my journey does look like and how committed I am into my beliefs about longevity and about being able to move freely and how I am still seeking out this idea of love outside of myself and how that's getting in the way of that journey and how it's, it's still just like a pull for me. So that was huge. That was huge. And I love that reference. And I'm happy to hear that you're on that journey for sure. So that wraps up the conversation the intentional conversation about self-love and mental health and the direct correlation that we have found in regards to our journey and what it's led to. So we hope that it provided you some insight. We hope that it provided you with just a, a relatable experience that lets you know you're not alone on the self-love journey, that maybe self-love is new to you and that's okay. And maybe it's not. And here's another version of looking at it. 
So a lot of differences in our own self-love journey, but to come full circle, uh, you can really only receive as much love as you are already giving yourself. So thank you for listening. We appreciate you all. This is the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. The C is a K to represent the masks we wear as men and our journey towards helping you reveal yourself under that mask. Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, follow us on YouTube. By the way, uh, we got these episodes and our guest episodes coming out on YouTube, Modern Masculinity. Again, CZK. And we've got some fire up there right now as well. So we appreciate you. Leave a, leave a rating if you feel like it. And we'll see you on the next episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember that it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.